Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome back to Selling Mark. Uh, once again, I am Corey Mitchell, and we're coming off a very big week, obviously with Revolution behind us now, and the fallout continues from that. Um, I guess we'll just kind of dive right into uh, the ending of that show, which is kind of what everybody's, everybody's talking about um, with the botched um, explosion at the end. Uh, it's It's really just... I think it's a real shame that that happened. Um, watching that match, I really did enjoy that match. And hearing Excalibur with all the callbacks to the Funko Nita match from, uh, I think it was from the late 80s. I'm not too sure on the year. Uh, I actually ended up finding that match on YouTube and watching that match back as well. So um, just just to get a comparison of and an idea of what... Um, Omega and Moxley were going for. Um, again, it's it's too bad that the explosion at the end uh, underdelivered so much uh, because they were telling such a good story, not only in the body of the match but coming out of the match as well, with uh, the countdown happening and and Moxley's laid out by Kenny and the Good Brothers and Eddie Kingston comes out to make the save. Um, yeah, it just for the announcers for the performers. I just really think with the way everybody was selling the end of that show, uh, I think there was supposed to be something bigger and maybe it was just a malfunction or something like that. I I don't know for sure. Um, we're going to kind of jump all over the place here because I'm, I didn't do a mark out show last week. I'm trying to, trying to get away from doing that um, and having like two shows come out on the same day because there's an event on the Sunday night. And so we're going to go through Revolution here and kind of jump from Revolution to Dynamite just in terms of how the stories are lining up and working out. And uh, then we'll dive into like the WWE side of things, which, (laughs) um, again, something I got to get out of a habit of doing is leaving that stuff to the last minute because I consumed probably close to seven hours of WWE content uh, on Saturday, which is the day I'm recording, uh, the day before this podcast drops. So, um, if you ever need like a massive chore in your life, uh, try watching Raw and SmackDown back to back. It's especially these days, it's it's not the easiest thing to do. Um, but yeah, let's get back to Revolution. Um, touched on the main event a little bit, and um. I, again, I really like that match, and I like the story that they told. Like, like the opening of that match where you just have Moxley and Omega teasing, throwing each other into the the barbed wire for the first time, and just the anticipation they're building up. 
I, I legit found myself on the edge of my seat waiting to see which guy was going into the barbed wire first and, and what the explosions were going to be like. It just, each little tease they did um, leading up to it were just added to the suspense of that match, and I really did enjoy that. And, and again, some of the big spots too, like uh, Omega with the, was a baseball bat wrapped in barbed wire that also had the explosion triggered on Moxie's chest. Really enjoyed that too. So um, I know those kind of matches aren't for everybody. Uh, if you didn't watch Revolution, I would urge you to find a way to search out this match because this was a very good match. And coming out of it, there's a lot of, I mean, we have the reunion of Moxley and Kingston, and I'll give them credit on Dynamite this week, um, both with Moxley and Kingston, as well as Kenny and Don Callis. They really tried to um, make the best out of this situation with the expl- with the botched explosions, um, to the point of like even having Eddie Kingston explain why he was blacked out in in the ring when the explosion was like so underwhelming. Um, why the explosion itself was so underwhelming with uh, Kenny and Don Callis having a big hand in setting that whole match up. And I just, I think they did a really good job of just leaning into it. Like, they could have kind of tried to stray away from it. They could have tried to ignore it. They could have tried to downplay it. But they just, they really leaned into it and tried to make it, I mean, for for good or for bad, they tried to make it as much a part of the story of the match itself as they could. Obviously, it's not what they wanted. Um, but again, coming out of that, like, there's a lot of directions they can go here now. Um, obviously, they're going to have Moxley and Kenny spin off against the Good Brothers for a little bit. But there was a, or sorry, not Kenny, Moxley and Eddie Kingston um, spinning off against the Good Brothers. But there was a tease. Um, especially on Dynamite, of Eddie Kingston maybe getting back into that title picture. And I wonder if the whole idea was to be that this match was supposed to maybe write Moxley off for a little bit. And then you have Eddie Kingston sort of step into that challenger role for Kenny Omega. At least, you know, he gets to the point of the Impact Championship that uh, was brought up this week. We'll get to that in a, in a li- maybe a little bit later. Uh, we'll touch on some of the impact stuff. They had their big sacrifice event on the Saturday that I'm recording. And lots of big implications for um, not just the AEW impact crossover, but also the impact New Japan crossover. But I don't want to get, you know, I don't want to be all over the place with this podcast. So we'll stick to the, the AEW stuff right now. Um, so yeah, nice tease of Eddie Kingston maybe becoming a challenger for the, the AEW title. But again, it looks like they're they're gonna s- splinter off against um, the Good Brothers for for a cycle here, which is good. I, I think you want to keep the Good Brothers maybe away from the Young Bucks for a little while, uh, especially with some of the stuff happening um, both in the Tag Team Royale, yeah, with the Tag Team Royale. So we'll get we'll touch on that in a little bit too. But first, let's go back to like who is maybe the big challenger for Kenny right now before he gets to his Impact Championship stuff. And that was the debuting Christian Cage. He was the big name that was teased on Sunday Night for Revolution. Um, I think, judging from the reactions on on Twitter and social media, maybe not the biggest name people wanted to see. And I think I can understand that. But 
I think about what Christian Cage was the first time he got out of that WWE system, and that was when he went to TNA uh, in 2005, 2006, and became the NWA uh, world champion and had a spectacular run and if they can get a little bit of that out of Christian for this run even if it's just for like you know a quick turnaround on a TV program kind of thing with Kenny I don't expect Christian to win the championship but I think him and Kenny can have a very good match together for that championship and again I do like if you can get Christian maybe involved in the TNT stuff I think that would be really cool too to see uh, I think he's going to add a lot to AEW honestly and um, I think WWE is really going to regret letting him go after the Royal Rumble. Like he got, he came back at the Rumble to a huge pop. There was lots of speculation that with Edge winning uh, and challenging Roman Reigns eventually, that he would maybe get that one Edge Christian reunion in a tag match against like Roman and Jay. Or I even heard the thought of instead of Daniel Bryan being the challenger at Fastlane, maybe it could be Christian challenging at Fastlane, uh, looking to gain an opportunity to face his best friend Edge in the main event at WrestleMania before they both kind of call it a career. Both really interesting storylines and programs to like maybe think about going with, but in the end, WWE chose not to uh, keep him past the Rumble, and for a guy that looked really good in the Royal Rumble, he's going to go to AEW, and he's going to work with a lot of really good performers. Like, I think, I think we have yet to see the best of Christian Cage, and it might get brought out here in the next few months with AEW. Uh, back to the tag team title scene. Uh, you end up with the Bucks retaining uh, in what was a very, very good match at Revolution against MDF and Jericho. And again, we could spin off into the inner circle stuff here that happened on Dynamite. But let's just stick with the tag title program for a little bit. Because um, immediately following that match, we had the tag team Royale on Revolution which, as far as Battle Royals go, was enjoyable. Um, you know, pretty fast-paced. Really crammed a lot of guys. Like, like it was basically the same number as a Royal Rumble, right? And they kind of crammed that into about half an hour. Um, the team coming out on top ended up being Pac and Phoenix. And the idea of those two guys up against the Young Bucks in, like, a pay-per-view caliber match is just... It's phenomenal. Like, the last few weeks, seeing what... Pac and especially Phoenix have been able to do uh, and, and again Phoenix had a fantastic match with Matt Jackson on Dynamite as, as kind of a prelude to this tag team program and even even before that like uh, the tease at the end of that battle royal where you had um, Phoenix and Jungle Boy the last two men in it and it was just it was unreal like Phoenix is such I think he's such an underrated guy um, and he's it's a shame that he's kind of off the radar of a lot of mainstream wrestling fans because so many people are missing out on what a fantastic performer this guy is. And you pair him with Pac and you put them against the Young Bucks for the tag team titles. That's going to be a fantastic match when it happens. Um, so I, I'd wonder if that happens sooner rather than later. Um, just you, because I don't know if you can stretch that program out all the way to uh, Double or Nothing, which is the next big show in May. Um, interesting to note, during the singles match on Dynamite, they made a lot of reference to Daniels and Kazarian watching the match and also being ranked number one in the tag division right now. Um, 
Now, it's, it's a program that's mostly been kept to dark, but the whole idea is if Kazarian and Daniels lose a match, they're going to stop teaming together. And I, I guess the ultimate way to go is you have them, you know, like they're obviously the number one ranked tag team based on AEW's rankings. And I, I would think that they're next in line for a tag title shot after Pac and Phoenix get their shot at the box. And I don't know if you have them win and then break them up or, or what you do here, but like that story's coming and I think it's coming a bit too fast. I think that whole tag team division is again, even like before Revolution when you had teases of the Bucks with like the Lucha Brothers and then John MJF and the Good Brothers, I think you're just trying to do too much in the tag division right now. And I think that might be a byproduct of just how many really good teams you have in the tag team division. Um, but either way, like it, depending who comes out on top, if it's the Bucks or if it's Phoenix and Pac, uh, if they end up facing Daniels and Kazarian, I think that'll be a really good match somewhere down the line. Maybe that's your double or nothing match uh, with some more stakes added to it. That like, if uh, Daniels and Kazarian can't win the tag titles, they're going to break up. So we'll see where that goes. Um, the losing side of that was obviously Jericho and MJF, and boy did that lead into probably the biggest angle on Dynamite this week. Um, With basically, uh, it it looked like the inner circle was going to turn on Jericho, kicking Jericho out, and then the reveal is that, of course, they're not. They're way tighter than that, but MJF has now formed his own supergroup with FTR and Sean Spears. And I talked, was it last episode, I believe, about this four horsemen-esque group being formed with FTR and Sean Spears and Tully kind of at the forefront and needing like that one kind of main event Ric Flair sort of character to fit the mold here and man oh man did they find their guy with MJF I think if if that's the way they're going with MJF Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's just going to elevate him so much. And this obviously baby faces the inner circle now. I think that's the right move. After like two years of the inner circle, Sammy Guevara's back, um, which I think is smart to have him back with Jericho and those guys. And... Um, I, I do wonder if this eventually maybe leads to that uh, blood and guts match that they teased against um, the elite before they the pen, the pandemic hit and they they ended up turning that into the stadium stampede. Um, this is the kind of program that absolutely would call for that. Like 
for, for anyone who doesn't know what the Blood and Guts is, is basically AEW's take on the War Games match. And of course, NXT is most well known for War Games at the moment, but before that, it was a strictly WCW slash NWA specialty match, um, especially uh, made famous by guys like uh, the Horsemen and Dusty Rhodes and the Road Warriors and, and guys like that, like the late 80s NWA guys. And so I, I really think you have this kind of Four Horsemen sort of throwback group now with with MJF and FTR and Sean Spears. And, of course, Wardlow is associated with them as well. So if you can go five on five with Jericho, Guevara, uh, Santana, Ortiz, and Jake Hager in a you know like this throwback kind of NWA style war games match I think that would be just fantastic and not only that but it, it also now spreads those specialty matches out away from like kind of like the elite guys right like we've seen so many of like these big special matches like a spring stampede and stuff including guys like the Bucks or Cody or, or whoever you know you want to pick from that group so I think this will be an exciting feud going forward. Like they absolutely decimated Inner Circle and Jericho at the end of Dynamite. Like the biggest angle on the show by far, and it just—it was something that you saw coming with MJF turning on him. But to to have him align with the the guys that he did, I think that's going to be a very powerful group moving forward here. Let's talk about um. Let's talk about the women's division on AEW. Um, really good match at Revolution between Ryo Mizunami and Hikaru Shida. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with just Shida getting a chance to work with another Japanese performer. And, I, you know, I know the Japanese women aren't everyone's cup of tea, but it looks like Ryo's sticking around. I think Maki Ito's sticking around just because of the presence that they had. Um after the match on Revolution, which of course led into the six-person match on Dynamite, which led into one of the best moments of the show with uh, Maki Ito. Of course, she she sings her theme song when she comes out. That's her whole gimmick. And the match starts, but she's not done singing it, so she actually stays on the stage the whole time to get through her number while the match begins. Um, Obviously, Sheeta retains. Uh, they did have me biting on a couple near falls in that match. Like uh, there was a couple times I thought, like, wow, they might actually put this belt on Rio Mizunami. But um, yeah, um, so that like kind of leads into the six woman match on Dynamite. Uh, it was Britt Baker teaming with Nyla Rose and Maki Ito taking on Sheeta Mizunami and Thunder Rosa, um, and. After the match, Thunder Rosa gets the win. After the match, uh, she gets attacked by Britt and Rebel. And that's going to lead into next week having a lights-out match between Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa, which this feud is... It's like... It's been going on a long time, but it hasn't been, like... Uh, I guess in the sense that they've been interacting every week. Like, they kind of... They had their big match prior to the women's tournament... And then kind of went and did their own thing during the women's tournament. And now that the women's tournament is over, I think this might be the big blow-off match of their feud. Uh, it's been a really good program. I've really enjoyed it. Britt Baker has just gotten 
so much better than the last few years with AEW. Thunder Rosa, of course, is just a phenomenal talent to have. And I would think that whoever comes out of this, and I keep, I know I've said it before between Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa, but I think whoever comes out of that should probably look at getting a title shot at some point. Uh, and again, it looks like uh, like Ryo Mizunami and, and Maki Ito might be sticking around for a while. They're both booked for the debut of AEW Dark Elevation, um, which is dropping uh, on the 15th, which would be the Monday after this podcast drops. Um, I was curious as to what that show was going to look like. And after seeing the multitude of matches that was announced, I think it's just going to be more of what Dark already is, just on a different night with maybe a bit of a different look. I think I'll still check it out, but um, I don't know how much we're going to follow along with that just because I can't really, I mean... To add another two hours into my viewing schedule is just, um, it might be a little bit difficult with the way things are right now. Uh, I do want to talk about the street fight. Um, and we are about a year into this new look of professional wrestling due to the pandemic, where cinematic matches have really become an important part of how companies, um, portray their product um obviously like starting with wrestlemania last year with the um boneyard match between aj and undertaker which was fantastic and a different look last year with john cena and bray wyatt in the firefly funhouse which was also very very good um obviously the stadium stampede was a fantastic piece of cinematic uh matchmaking um, I mean, there's been a lot of good cinematic matches. I think even even the street fight with uh, Best Friends taking on Santana and Ortiz, um, I guess technically not... Uh, I guess technically not a cinematic match in a sense, but it sort of was. Um, this, this match between Sting and Darby Allin taking on Team Taz, the way that this match was put together and... Like, it's just, it was so different from any cinematic matches that we've seen over the last year. I really enjoyed it. Some of the stuff Darby did, um, obviously the leap off the off the second story window, getting tossed through the pane of glass. Like, man, that guy is just insane. Uh, you know, Brian Cage looked like a monster. Sting looked good. Everybody, everybody looked good in that match. I really enjoyed that match. I don't think it's what people were expecting with the advertisement of Sting returning to the ring, while technically there was a ring there. Um, but like this, this was the best way to go with Sting, I think. Um, and it, it really makes me think that he could handle like a 10-15 minute match on a Dynamite or on a bigger show at some point. So with, with that kind of feudal wrapped up, I guess we'll wait and see where that goes from there. Um, as far as Sting is concerned, um, Darby looks like he's going to be wrapped up with Scorpio Sky for a while, who ended up winning the ladder match and came up short in his TNT title challenge on Dynamite. But um, judging from the way that match ended and Scorpio Sky, I guess, kind of turning heel in that match, I would think we get him and Darby again at some point. Um, I don't really like the idea of like wrapping a big storyline or a feud around the TNT title. I like I think that should kind of be an open challenge title, but 
that's just it's really a minor nitpick for what that is so uh, I wouldn't be too worried about what happens with that but uh, those two had a really good match on dynamite so if we get another match like that down the road uh, I'm all for it and it just strengthens the importance of that TNT title at the same time um, so I'm just gonna look um, obviously like the Dark Order hangman stuff uh, they, they seem pretty pretty entrenched in hangman as unofficially being part of the Dark Order at this point um, we saw on Revolution, uh, Hangman getting the win, and and then on Dynamite, Matt Hardy kind of strengthening his group by bringing in the Butcher and the Blade, who, I guess with Eddie Kingston turning face and joining Moxley, those two were kind of left in limbo a little bit. Um, so, I mean, you already had that alliance there with Matt Hardy and the hybrid too so it seems weird that you would bring in another new tag team but i think butcher and blade are maybe taken a little bit more seriously in the eyes of fans than a jack evans and an angelico i like the idea of having those two is just kind of like being paid off to interfere with a match or be just a little bit of extra muscle um down the road i i do think like this is all going to culminate at some point we're going to get a 10-man tag at some point, uh, probably a lot of multi-man tags, and probably one more singles match between Hardy and, and Hangman at some, somewhere down the line. Um, so, you know, you know again, a, a nice program for Hangman to be in while they kind of wait for him to be ready for maybe a bigger run at the, w, at the, at the AEW Championship. Um, I think, yeah. Like I said, there's a lot of content to try and squeeze into this, so I don't want to touch on everything. I, I just will say, like, it, it looks like the Mirror and Kip versus Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor thing is going to continue at least one more week. I'm not crazy about it. Um, a little bit of a tease at Revolution that maybe Miro's ready to break away from Kip and Penelope. I don't think that's the worst thing. I think if you can get Miro out of there and then start getting him involved in you know, either the TNT scene or maybe elevate him into like a world title match at some point or just even a main event match with some of these higher up stars. Um, all the better for him. Kind of get him out of this silly stuff that he's stuck in right now. So, um, so I guess we could stick with the Wednesday night or we could maybe dive into Raw and SmackDown. Um, man, I don't know, like... Raw and SmackDown just for for a three and a two hour show there just wasn't a whole lot of content in there. Like on Raw you got Miz got his rematch with Bobby Lashley. It was just kind of a match to really assert Lashley as this dominant um heavy hitting champion. Um and, and kind of just you know, he's it's it's this weird thing with the the WWE pay per view cycle because we're coming off the high of like the Royal Rumble and then the excitement of the Elimination Chamber, and now when we should be building to WrestleMania, we got to take this detour of programming into Fastlane, which I think is going to be a pretty weak pay-per-view, just judging by how they laid out like next week's Raw, which is the go-home show. Um, like, There's no WWE title match announced for Fastlane. I think the only matches announced right now are um, obviously Roman versus Daniel Bryan's, 
uh, Biggie versus Apollo, I think, got announced. And the women's tag match, I think that's the only three matches they've announced so far. Like, I, I don't know, Fastlane, like, it's a week from when this podcast drops. It's on the 21st. It's coming up right away. And it's just, again, much like when we were heading into the Royal Rumble, it just seems like so many guys right now are just kind of in a wait-and-see thing until we get past this last kind of hurdle and we can really push to WrestleMania. Um, I mean, I think we're probably going to get a Drew Drew versus Sheamus match at Fastlane, which to me doesn't make any sense because we had that fantastic match um, last week. This week we had a no disqualification match. And, and now so you've had like two really big kind of hard-hitting matches between these guys. So how do you have a blow-off match at a pay-per-view next weekend? I just, like, at this point, these guys have just interacted too much. And, like, the no-DQ match ended in a no-contest, which is just more WWE bullshit of here's this, you know, three-segment match we're going to throw out that seems important, but we're not going to give you a with Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Finish to it because we got to keep both these guys strong so that when we give you a finish at the pay-per-view, you'll understand. And it just boggles my mind. Like, I just... I, yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I just... With what they laid out on Raw to come up next week, and next week is the go-home show for Raw. Um, like, we're going to have a United States Championship match between Riddle and Ali. And we're going to have a tag team title match between um, the Hurt Business and the New Day. And to me, that just says, like, we're not getting a U.S. title match or a tag team title match on the pay-per-view. Um, I don't even know where they're going with the women's title right now. Uh, Oscar's been off TV for a few weeks. Uh, Charlotte obviously has named herself as the top contender for that title. They kind of tease Mandy Rose and, and Dana Brooke wanting to get into that title picture. I I don't know why. Um, maybe you have some kind of match at the pay-per-view. I mean, ideally, what I, what I think I would do with this is you've been teasing Rhea Ripley coming in these last few weeks. You should have Rhea Ripley show up at that go-home show, challenge Charlotte to a match at Fastlane. That winner is the number one contender for WrestleMania, and I think it should be Rhea Ripley um, because she's like going to be your next big thing coming into the women's division. That's what I would do. They still might do that because they do like to just roll these things out as, you know, at the last minute, uh, which was more than evidence on NXT this week. I'll get to that in a little bit. Let's kind of get through Ron Smackdown here first. Um, you know, we had another women's tag title match uh, just to kind of get Lana and Naomi out of the way, I guess, because the main focus is going to be Sasha and Bianca Belair, which, you know, they're diving headfirst into this. Partners that can't get along 
gimmick that is just so fresh and so new and I just oh and of course Reginald is front and center in everything around these women's tag titles right now like it just he shows up on Raw he shows up on Smackdown the whole tag match on Smackdown between Sasha and Bianca taking on Natalia and Tamina is just a backdrop for Reginald's shenanigans at ringside they had some bullshit shopping like a video of Reginald out shopping with Nia Jax which was just you know it's so pointless and again like you you're, you're trying to promote <laughs> like in, in in the time right now where you're trying to promote like it's International Women's Month or whatever and your main focus in your women's tag division is Reginald I just and he's going to be a I, I just know he's going to be such a big factor in this WrestleMania match between Sasha and Bianca Belair. And I just, like I've said before, I don't like it. I, I just, I don't think, I think these women are capable of carrying on serious programs without stuff like this happening. Um, but yeah, sorry, going on a little bit of a rant, a little bit of a tangent here. Uh, we, we got more kind of Fiend Orton stuff uh, during his match with AJ Styles. That's going to be a long couple of weeks still to build to that, because uh, it just it's it's the same thing. It's just the same thing every week. Maybe it picks up after Fastlane. You have to hope it picks up after Fastlane. Um, AJ seems to be kind of in a holding pattern. I don't know what program he gets coming out of Fastlane to go to WrestleMania. We'll see, I guess. Oh, and. So much of this Shane McMahon, Braun Strowman stuff on Raw, and what a, like, this, this constant yearly thing of it's WrestleMania, let's roll Shane out, because they think Shane's an attraction, like, I don't know, I, I don't find myself sitting around waiting for WrestleMania season to see what Shane McMahon's big match is going to be, and this program with Braun, with how just if okay I'm, I'm gonna break down this segment a little bit so Braun comes out to the ring and he's pissed off because he thinks Shane's making fun of him and he asks Shane to come out and give him an apology and Shane comes out gets right into his face because it's Shane McMahon and you, you, you got you got to book him at least on par with these monsters apologizes leaves the ring Turns to say something. Braun says, do you have something else to say? And I think we got like almost 10 minutes of just Shane stumbling around on the mic. And it was just so, such a waste of time and such a snooze fest. And we got like five more weeks of this until WrestleMania. And the whole premise of this feud is going to boil down to Shane thinks Braun is stupid. And we're going to get some fucking garbage Falls count anywhere thing. Shane's going to take a big bump off some fucking billboard or something. And I just... This idea that Shane is a draw for WrestleMania. It's just... And especially in a program like this with Braun. I, like, this thing's probably going to go on third or second from the, from the end of the show at Mania. And it's just going to be... It's going to be awful. And I just... Oh, my God. To think we have more weeks of this yet to come. I just, I don't know what to think of that. Um, yeah, so that was kind of raw. Obviously, Riddle's still doing the retribution thing. 
Um, yeah, I just, again, Raw is just, it's three, it's a, it's a three hour show that you could really boil it down to an hour and a half, maybe even an hour 15 with all just the pointless backstage stuff that happens and the recaps and everything like that. I mean, the same can be said for SmackDown. It's just, uh, nothing really new happening on SmackDown. Um, the big, the big angle of course was, uh, the contract signing with, with, um, Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns. And this led to an interesting part where Jey Uso kind of says he, this match needs a special enforcer. It wants, he wants it to be him. Edge comes out. And now we get a match next week between Edge and Jay. Winner is the special enforcer for the match. And Brawl breaks out, and Edge and Daniel Bryan clear the ring, and then Daniel Bryan takes out Edge. And they had a pretty heated confrontation at the beginning of the show as well. So, again, really, they're really teasing this Daniel Bryan-Edge thing. And it's almost to the point where even if Daniel Bryan loses at Fastlane, like, I could see this becoming a three, like a triple threat match. Like I really could because they're just they're hitting on the Daniel Bryan stuff so so much. Um, unless Daniel Bryan does win, and then that's your program for Mania because and, and I don't know this this might just be me fanboying and reading too much into it, but the way they've been marketing WrestleMania this week with the catchphrase of "Finally, WrestleMania is back in business" in order to like sell their tickets for the live audience. And utilizing The Rock's voice for that, like, I, I really wonder if they might pull the trigger on this Roman Reigns Rock thing sooner rather than later. It just it seems like with the whole head of the table and King of the Family Samoa thing going on, it just seems too perfect to not have The Rock face Roman Reigns at WrestleMania for that title, and then. I, I guess you put Roman over Rock to really cement that stature, right? Um, yeah, so a big, I, I guess I should too, uh, sorry, tripping over my words here. Um, I guess I should mention too, Biggie returned and, and, and yeah, I did mention earlier, his match with Apollo for the IC title is official for Fastlane at this point. Um, I I don't know. I, I've talked a lot about that Apollo gimmick last week. I don't want to talk any more about it this week. So I think we'll move on to NXT with, with that being said. Um, so here was my problem with NXT. Uh, it wasn't the main event. It wasn't the women's title match. Um, oddly enough, it, it wasn't even, it wasn't even LA Knight's name this week. Um, my big problem with this show was how it started off with, uh, okay, first Regal announces like the, the takeover for WrestleMania is going to be a two-night thing. So, yeah, thank you. Just put more on my schedule. Like, Mania is already two nights. Let's put two nights of NXT on there, too, because why not? Um, but that's not what bothered me. It was the announcement of a women's tag team titles. And I said last week I didn't want this to happen I feel like there's already so many tag, so many tight championship belts in this company, but then like, so you, you have them award these titles to Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez, and 
immediately their first challenger is Amber Moon and Chelsea Blackheart, the team that they beat in the Dusty Classic Finals. Why would you not just have these titles be the prize for the Dusty Classic winners? Why not have that match crown your champions and then you can transition into a rematch to move the belts onto Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart, which is what they ended up doing tonight. This could have eliminated all that goofiness from last week with Adam Pierce and the Raw referee costing them the tag team titles. It separates Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler from this women's division and keeps them, you know, kind of, I mean, they're already busy enough with Raw and SmackDown, but again, you overbook this so much by having, like, we got to have Adam Pierce and a raw referee and make sure we mention it was a raw referee cost Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez the titles. And the whole point of that was to get to here where we're going to crown them the NXT women's tag titles or tag team champions just to flip the belts to Amber Moon and Shotzi Blackheart. Like you already had all of this naturally built with the Dusty Classic, you could have just thrown these titles in as the prize there. And it just, I think this was some, I don't know if it was short-sightedness, I don't know if it was just convoluted booking. Um, I, I just, I didn't like how they did it. Like, the match itself was fine. I just didn't like how they, they got to the point of having tag champions and then having new tag champions, if that makes sense. Um, the Adam Cole Finn Balor match, it, it was good. Um, nothing like too amazing. Um, one thing, one thing I don't like is like, why why doesn't WWE protect finishers the way AEW does? You know when somebody hits like the paradigm shift or Kenny Omega hits the one way one winged angel, like you know that's the end of the match. Like you have. Adam Cole hit the Panama Sunrise, and then Finn Balor kicks out. I don't know why WWE does this, why they have to have multiple guys or, like, multiple kickouts of guys' finishers every match. It just really takes away from, like, like you're supposed to you're supposed to build to a crescendo in a wrestling match, right? Like, that's the whole point of, like, you know, you start off by locking up or you start off with a couple exchanges and then... As you build the matchup, you build the drama up with near falls and whatnot. And then that one moment where, you know, the guy goes for his big finisher move and he either hits it or he misses it. And usually, at least when I was growing up, when a guy hit it, like, like you knew when Stone Cold hit the stunner or Shawn Michaels hit Sweet Chain Music or something like that, you knew the match is over. You knew when Bret Hart got the sharpshooter, the sharpshooter locked on, that match was usually over. Like... Like, even on SmackDown, I find it so hard to buy into, uh, or not SmackDown, sorry, on Raw, I find it so hard to buy into submission finishes like AJ Styles and the Calf Crusher because, like, you know, okay, well, he's going to hold that for a few seconds and then Randy Orton's going to slowly make his way to the ropes because that's what they do. And I just, I, I just don't understand that. Uh, but any, anyways, the match ends with, you know, Finn Balor wins uh, because Kyle O'Reilly comes out, distracts Adam Cole. Those two are going to splinter off into a big feud to finish up the Undisputed Era, era stuff. And then, uh, while Balor's kind of watching them fight each other off into the back, Karrion Cross enters the ring, 
and that's your next program for the NXT title. And that makes a ton of sense because Karrion Cross never lost that title, um, being that he won it and then he was injured. So I think that, that should make for a good pairing. Um, I like the natural progression of it, right? Like Finn had his plan laid out to get Adam Cole to to face him in a match by making him the challenger and he beats Adam Cole and he's immediately got a new challenger and there's logic behind it. Um, whereas on Raw, Bobby Lashley has beaten the Miz twice now and we still don't have a challenger for him because instead of just naming Drew McIntyre his next challenger, we got to get through this Drew Sheamus thing first. So, um, it just, I like how NXT kind of simplifies stuff for the most part. I mean, they had some stuff with the way that it was just awful. Um, yeah, I just, I can't stand that group. I just, yeah, I don't, I don't like what they're doing there. It's it just a little bit too much of Raw involved in that program for me. Um, what else should we touch on from NXT? Um, yeah, that, not a whole lot. Like, it sounds like we're going to get a match here with, uh, Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher facing Imperium and a lot of the what Imperium did in their promo was basically saying like they're not here for a fight they want to welcome Timothy Thatcher back to the group they're willing to bring Tommaso Ciampa into the group as well but they just want Timothy Thatcher I really like that I really like how it's not like you got to ditch this guy if you, we want you back but you can't be with him um only thing I would have maybe taken it a little bit further is have Alex Wolf maybe bring up Killian Dane and just say like, "Hey, you know I told you the other day or the other week, you're you should be a monster here. Join us, be our monster. Have have Killian Dane maybe join Imperium as well. Get him away from Drake Maverick." Um, but yeah, it sounds like that's probably not going to happen. Uh, well, I mean, I shouldn't say that's not going to happen. I think at some point Timothy Thatcher is going to turn on Ciampa and join Imperium, uh, especially with Ciampa saying like he's not interested in these three guys. He wants the big guy that didn't come across with, with them, obviously meaning Walter. So does maybe Ciampa have his sights set on the NXT UK Championship down the road? Could be an interesting mat, interesting program. I think it'd be a really good match between Ciampa and Walter. Um, you know, two guys that you don't get to see face off on a regular basis. Um, I do like when they kind of overlap NXT with NXT UK. Uh, I know before the pandemic hit, it sounded like there was plans to really make this NWA style territory uh, with the NXT. Uh, like by obviously you have NXT and then branching that off to NXT UK. I knew I think there was plans for an NXT India and maybe. Uh, and NXT um, Asia, maybe in China or Japan. NXT Nippon, was it called? I don't know. But like, I know there was plans to really branch this thing out globally and maybe have like that NXT Championship be much like the NWA World's Championship where that's your top champion and then you have like the UK Championship, you got the North American Championship and so on and so on. I don't know if they're still looking at doing that with the pandemic and how much... They might have taken a hit financially um, just because of all that, not being able to tour and everything. So, uh, again, if if we're going to get like more crossover between 
uh, NXT here and NXT UK. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It gives you fresh matches. It gives you fresh programs to watch. Um, so yeah, obviously, um, there was a lot that I didn't touch on that happened this week. It was a very full week of content just with the pay-per-view and the usual viewing this week. Um, I did manage to sneak in a quick watch on some MLW, some Major League Wrestling. Um, I used to watch them pretty often on the Fight app, uh, Fight TV, and they've since gone away from there, but they are posting their shows every week on Thursdays on YouTube, on their YouTube channel. Uh, so if you got some time, I would recommend going and checking them out. Um, obviously, the production values aren't there. Uh, some of the guys are a little bit greener than you would like, but they do have some really good performers. Uh, their champion right now, Jacob Fatu, is really good. Uh, another one of their champions, Alex Hammerstone, is just fantastic. And, and like this is a place where guys like Brian Pillman Jr. and MJF kind of like got their start, right? Like really cut their teeth on, um, I guess, a more mainstream promotion. Because I don't want to call MLW like independent wrestling. I don't think it's independent wrestling. Um, but it's definitely a tier below like where even Impact and ROH are at this point. Um, I, I, w I think I would put it more akin to what NWA was putting out pre-pandemic with NWA Power. I think that's kind of a good spot to kind of match up there. But um, yeah, like a lot of interesting names there. Um, and just, like I said, it's it's just something different. If you're looking for something different to watch, I would, I would go check it out. Uh, they're doing some cool stuff with like, uh, what looks to be the old Lucha Underground property, now called Aztec, the Aztec Underground. Uh, like, the logo and everything is just so, like, similar to what Lucha Underground was. Uh, they keep referring to a character behind the scenes named El Jefe, which was, like, kind of the main guy on Lucha Underground. Uh, Mil Muertes is a part of this group. Um, L.A. Park, uh, formerly of La Parca in WCW, uh, he's since lost the use of that name. I think the name was owned by AAA Wrestling, so he's not allowed to use it anymore. Um, so he's going by L.A. Park. He's he's teamed up with his two sons. Um, yeah, just a lot of fun names. Leo Rush is there. If anyone remembers Leo Rush from his brief stint in uh, WWE. He's actually their, their middleweight champion and as well as the uh, AAA Cruiserweight champion. They've got a bit of a working relationship with Triple H as well. Uh, ACH is there, um, Tom Lawler, uh, who else, um, the Von Erich boys, uh, Fritz Von Erich's sons, they're there, again, it's just, you know, if, if you enjoy Top Flight and AEW, this is where these guys came from, right, like, these guys wrestled there first, so, uh, you, you know, you've seen talents that have come out of there, Brian Pillman and MJF, like I mentioned, uh, Davey Boy Smith Jr. was there first stint, and yeah, it's I think it's like an hour. It's a pretty easy watch if you can get past the the production values and stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, before we start wrapping up, I think we should just touch on what happened with uh, Impact. And they had their big sacrifice show on Saturday. Um, Rich Swan taking on Moose to unify the Impact title and the old TNA 
heavyweight title. Um, Rich Swan ended up winning, and he will now face Kenny Omega in a title versus title match at Rebellion in May. I believe that was in May. I'd have to double-check the date on Rebellion. Um, but that's, yeah, it's going to be title versus title. I think Kenny probably comes out of that with the Impact title. And I wonder if, if we maybe see him, as that match gets closer, if we see him maybe step away from AEW a little bit to really focus on promoting that match and building that match. Um, and, and I wonder if that's kind of the, the way Kenny's going to go here, like, Cody mentioned more working relationship with companies like Impact and NWA and New Japan, um, as well as AAA. And right now, so Kenny holds the AEW title. He's also the AAA Mega Champion. And if he were to win the Impact title, that's three major titles. And do you maybe have him, like, do we maybe get a Kenny Omega-Nick Aldis match at some point? And he wins that title as well. And... In a perfect world, this all concludes with a huge match between him and Kota Ibushi, right? With with Kota being the, the IWGP champion in, in New Japan. Uh, <laughs> you can dream, right? So, um, another, another match that kind of has a lot of implications for what's happening in AEW right now is um, the team of Finn Juice, which is uh, Dave Finley and Juice Robertson, from New Japan are your new Impact Tag Team Champions. So the Good Brothers losing those titles. I wonder if they maybe set their sights on the AEW titles in order to get some gold back or what have we there. I'm not sure how any of this is going to like kind of tie in with what's happening in AEW. I just thought that these were kind of important matches to mention. Uh, I don't watch a lot of Impact. I just try to kind of stay caught up with it. So, um... Yeah, I think we'll start wrapping up the show there. Uh, again, this has been a bit of a weird episode uh, just because trying something new where I'm trying to wrap what happened at the pay-per-view in with what happened at the show afterwards because so much of it tied together. Um, so I'm sure I missed quite a bit. I, I know I probably mentioned Ethan Page debuting in AEW. Um, we'll see where he goes. He had a little match with with Lee Johnson ends up winning. Uh, I know in the past he's had really good matches with Darby Allen, so I wonder if they maybe explore going back to that at some point. But uh, yeah, anyway, that's going to be the the show this week. Um, yeah, again, just if you're enjoying this, please uh, feel free to fire me a comment or any uh, maybe critiques you might have. To, uh, you can fire those off to me on Twitter at selling the mark. Um, don't forget to like, you know, word of mouth. I, I, I would love to be able to grow this podcast more and more. And hopefully just as, as I grow an audience, I can maybe grow in my abilities as well. Uh, cause this, it is still fairly new to me. Uh, I am enjoying doing it other than, other than watching raw every week, which is kind of part of what I got myself into here. But uh, yeah, if you're enjoying it, if you know wrestling fans who might enjoy it, um, just maybe send them over uh, to their favorite podcast platform. Search Selling the Mark. Uh, we're on all the major ones, Apple, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, uh, all of them. So, And um, as always, special thank you to Upside Downtown for letting me use their music. Um, 
The song is My Fun Thing. It is off their second EP called Car 2. Uh, I would really recommend going to check them out. They're on Apple Music and, and all that good stuff. So, um, yeah. We got two go-home shows this week. I'm sure we'll have a huge edition of Dynamite. Stuff will happen on NXT. And uh, the debut of Dark Elevation as well as this week. So there'll be lots to talk about next, next week when I talk to you guys. So until then... Um, Enjoy your wrestling. <laughs>